What is crack-lacking, fellow thermonuclear efforts? I am Dan Valley coming at you with my certified fantabulous co-host, Grant Hughes. This is the last of our trade deadline primers. We are on to the Southeast Division. In the interest of time, since this is the third one we're recording on the same day, we're going to be doing each team in five to six minutes, which is our goal every single time. We just fail, but we're going to stick by it this time. Very quickly, subscribe to us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever, if you haven't done so already. Join us on the Bleacher Report app live stream on February 7th at 2 p.m. for a trade deadline preview and February 9th at 5 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Eastern time for the first one as well for our winners and losers of the trade deadline. Follow us on the socials at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Grant, how the heck are you doing? Doing great. Ready to hit these Southeast teams uh, and uh, somehow, some way, Managed to be briefer than we always attempt to be and always fail to be. As a quick reminder, before we get to the Atlanta Hawks, we're just going through our sort of biggest themes. We will have a trade for each team. We'll have most likely players to be traded. We're just talking about needs, what we could see this team doing. And with that, we are on to the Atlanta Hawks, which are, or no, we're on to the Miami Heat. Excuse me. They are my team. Uh, they are very clearly buyers. I have their most likely player to be traded as Dwayne Dedman, which basically means that no, the Heat are not going to do anything big. Probably uh, they need, I don't want to say they need a whole bunch, but like they need to, they could probably fill all their needs in one player where it's like, they really need to upgrade that sort of four spot. And they also need some more shooting and someone who can open up the half court offense. Maybe not necessarily as a ball handler because you have Jimmy Butler you have Tyler Hero, you have Bam Adebayo, you have Victor Oladipo, you have whatever the hell Kyle Lowry is at this point. But someone who's going to open up the floor with like functional shooting or just be able to pump and go and maybe take, you know, lower, not like low complicated shots, but be able to take them at, at high volume. Um, and so the player that gets mentioned constantly is like Boyan Bogdanovich, but do they have the assets to go out and get that type of player? They can trade this year's first round pick and they can trade first round picks in 27 and, and 29. But are they going to be my, I guess one of the questions is that I have for them. And, you know, there's the, like the easier question is, can they upgrade the forward rotation and overall complementary offense? But the second question is how big of a swing are they willing to take here? Because if they wait until the off season, there might be more starrier players that become available. And that's when you make the Godfather offer of, you know, I don't know if they're including Tyler hero at that point when his extension kicks in, but you have Kyle Lowry is an expiring contract. Another year is ticked off Duncan Robinson's deal. Can you make the picks plus money offer and get someone better than the best player you could get right now? Who let's just be realistic and say that the heat could trade for Boyan Bogdanovich or maybe Kyle Kuzma. Like, is it worth them going the, not even the all in route, but like sort of splitting the baby and having to give up, a first round pick and Nikola Jovic or two first round picks. Now, are they willing to do that mid season? I think they, I don't know whether they should. I think they kind of might be um, just because I think, I think there is some justifiable faith internally that that look, the heat just, they are, they seem to have a history. They don't seem to, they have a history of overachieving in the postseason. And if you have Butler and Adebayo and you get one more piece in there, Tyler hero is leveled up. Like, yeah, I mean, they're not afraid of anybody they're going to see in the East playoffs. Cutting against that, though, is what we keep talking about. Of Like, if you're a buyer right now, it's a real bad time to be a buyer. Um, so you may not, the, what few assets you have are just not going to go as far. So I think a lot of it, as far as their plan goes, has everything to do with, like, how good do they think 
are do they really think they're one piece away from being on the same level as Boston and Milwaukee? And they might think that. And then you're yeah, put Jovic and all the picks on the table, and you know you got a bunch of salary you could mix together between you know Martin and Oladipo or six and eight million Duncan Robinson's bad money you could throw in there with enough picks. Like there there's ways for them to do a lot, um, but it's just a question of those 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 two factors. Like is is it smart to be a buyer now? And do they think it's worth it? You know, relative to what their ceiling would be if they filled that four spot or, or just added another big wing. Yeah, I mean, like they're not even mentioned in the OG Ananobi sweepstakes because I guess people aren't sure if Toronto's rebuilding. And so even if you went all the picks route, would that even interest them? Duncan Robinson and a shit ton of picks. I don't think that would interest Toronto. And then yeah. I could talk myself into saying, well, they could go out and get Zach Levine if he becomes available. Like, is that like, he's not necessarily the player that they need? That's just so re- not. Re- I mean, he's kind of redundant with Tyler Hero. For being a little honest. bit. Unfortunately yeah. for him and the salary differences, he is a little bit. Uh, the trade I have for them, though, is the Heat get Eric Gordon and KJ Martin. The Rockets get Dwayne Dedman, Nikola Jovic, Duncan Robinson, 2023 first-round pick, top eight protection. I like what that does for their books, moving Robinson off. I mean, you're basically paying the first because I don't know what Gordon's future is going to be, but Gordon makes them better now. I think KJ Martin doesn't KJ Martin feel like a, a guy that would get to Miami and suddenly everybody's like, God, they did it again. They got this athletic guy that they you know he's they, been like kind of good in Houston for the past few years. Right. But it's like, this is a Derek Jones jr. Situation all over like that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I think that's, that might feel a little low, um, especially if you like Jovich a lot, but I think I'm, I think if I'm the heat, I probably do that. Or, I mean, you proposed it. How do you, <laughs> I never ask you, I never turn it back on you. Do you like the trade you made up? I, so actually, I'm not sure if I do it, if I'm Miami, but if I'm Houston, because I don't view Eric Gordon as worth a first round pick on his own anymore. And you're not getting a first round pick for KJ Martin on his own to just take on Duncan Robinson's money for two more years. Like you're, I, I know you think you need cap space and you have your pick owed to OKC starting next year. You one still have some cap space if you take on Duncan Robinson, so just get the pick. And then you have Jovic to sort of evaluate as well. Um, I understand that maybe you run into some like roster crunch issues at that point, but like you have some other veterans that you should be getting rid of or will come off the books after this season. So I would do it if I'm, I actually like this most for Houston because it's like, let's just get another draft pick bite at the yeah. apple. Uh, and we could see what Jovic is uh, with the heat. I think I would do it just because Eric Gordon is so complimentary. I just don't know if I love KJ Martin at the four for them. Does he do enough offensively aside from putting pressure on the rim, which maybe that's all they want out of that position, but their spacing's iffy enough that I don't know if like KJ Martin, you slide him in with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, how that necessarily works out. Yeah. He's still the second best Martin on the team. So that, that, that <laughs> that's not great. Um, all right. If you're ready to move on, I've got the Hawks next to our second place team in the division. Um, the question for me is, is as I was looking at them, I was surprised myself. Like, are we sure there's a real problem here? Like in a got to make a trade kind of way, because I know I'm sure within the last month we've talked about like, well, they ought to start thinking about moving Trey young. The optics are bad. This just feels like it's headed for a disaster, but like the starting five is plus 11.7 over, you know, which is basically next to Denver, the best net rating for any five man group that's played a ton, you know, over 800 possessions, like as a starting point, if your first unit is outscoring teams by 12 points per hundred, basically yeah. like you're not that far away. Like you, so, but the, uh, the obvious question we've touched on talking about 
50 other teams is, is this, are they going to trade John Collins? What are they going to get for him? Uh, so for me, and, and he has to be the most likely player to be traded. Bogdan Mognanovich is, should be desirable. Just don't think there's as much momentum to move him uh, as there is for Collins. Cause we got like two plus years of momentum really for him. Yeah. So I guess I'll throw it to you, but for me, I think if I'm the Hawks, I'm not going to trade Collins unless I'm getting back at least a really good first minimum, no bad money coming back. And I need to also have a guy that is going to be in my rotation at like a reasonable salary. That's like my bare minimum. I'm not giving up picks to move him. I'm not attaching. Sorry, yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not attaching you know, you name it, Griffin, a Kongwu, Jalen Johnson, maybe, but that's like a different level. Like I need real value coming back or I'm just not going to trade him. Cause I just, I don't think this is someone that you should have to give something up to move. I just, I just don't. I agree. And I think John Collins is probably more important to them than any of the other teams that are necessarily interested in him. I will also say though, that if they do have to sell low on John Collins, it's their own fucking fault because right. of the way that they sort of just marginalized him and didn't figure that out. And I understand that was kind of the risk of having Murray and then also having like traded Clint Capella in the first place. The fact that John Collins was as good as he was last year, playing alongside Clint Capella, like being able to adapt. And it just felt like they were making, forcing him to make one too many adjustments this year. And he's played a little bit better recently. I'm with you though, that you need actual value for him. And so it's, what is like the move outside of dealing him? though it's you have your first round pick this year and then if you wanted to like you have clean capella and if you're going to keep john collins you put onyeka kungu on the table and what do you even need is that's like the, the the question is okay will they move john collins but i think they're i think their biggest need and you'll have to i'm throwing this back to you right away is it just like they need to shore up the three and the four spots whether you think it's behind collins or in front of that like that's what i look at and say they need to do which like, and, and I, I think that's right, but that's a problem because between <laughs> between Collins and DeAndre Hunter, who they just extended, that's like, what's, what's Collins was like five for 125, I think yeah. originally, and Hunter is four for, was it like 90 yeah. or is it 80? It was 90. It was, more than, Mikhail, it was more than Mikhail Bridges for some reason. You're talking like, you know, not that far short of like a quarter billion dollars for two positions that we're saying are the problem. Like that's not great. I, <laughs> I don't. I, I, I will I say what you do with that. I was kind of referring to just like you could look at it as backup, where it's like Justin Holiday's been bad. Right. The Jalen Johnson minutes have been all over the place, and so you could look at it as can they go out and get a backup rather than it's the starters that are because as you said, the starting lineup is killing it. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the issue. It just feels like they need, like you know, they need the depth at the three and the four, and they just don't have it. And I would say they probably need more optionality at the four specifically. To where it's they don't well, I guess you could say it's the three as well, because you don't okay, let's slide Hunter up. And it's like, well then fuck, who's playing small forward? Yeah. So then it's like, well, right, well then who's behind Collins if we can't slide Hunter up? And I think that's where the real issue is. So my trade, it is a John Collins trade, just because I don't think John Collins wants to be in Atlanta. No. I, I don't like and the Hawks, by the way, they're only 1.7 million below luxury tax. So that went into this trade idea. The Hawks receive Amir Coffee, Marcus Morris, a twenty twenty eight first round pick. And then I'm going to change this up. It's a 2028 first round pick and then a 2029 first round swap from the Clippers. So that 2028 first round pick, let's say it's top four protected and then it extinguishes. 
Um, and then they get the 2029 swap as well. Cause they can't swap in 2028. Cause I believe they're already doing so with San Antonio, unless I'm mistaken there, but I'll have to, Oh no, wait, that's Boston that does that. So please don't listen to me. This is their 2027. That's going to San Antonio. Yeah. Who could mix all these picks up? I can't imagine how that'd be possible. Okay. So based on what I said initially about what I want back for cons, this feels a little light. Um, but the upside here is I don't know how much of a drop-off, if any, Morris would be from Collins in terms of just like this year, based on how Collins has been used, if, if at all, which is like speaks to how Collins has been used in a negative light. Um, and you're getting the first coffee doesn't quite rise to the level of like the young, keepable, like high end piece, but like he's been bad this year too. Sure. I should know that I like him, but he's been pretty bad. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, but you know, still like you were, you were in on him early. So you get credit for that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the, so we're talking about the three and the four. There's Coffee and Morris that could that could play the three and the four. I, the more I look at this roster, though, I know this is a trade deadline thing, but like behind the starting five, you still have Bogdanovich, Okongwu, and Griffin. Like that's, I mean, you're ticking a lot of boxes with with those three guys as your sixth, seventh, and eighth guys. So this the summation here is. The Hawks are just like doing it wrong because they have enough good players at enough different positions for this to work and it should work. And it isn't, I don't, I don't quite understand it. So I mean, they're playing better now. So is it, has they just turned that corner? Maybe, but, but it's still nowhere near what they thought expected hope. Yes. I, I don't think. Um, and maybe this is just like, maybe the answer to the, to every Hawks question, which has been the case all year is like, Hey, Trey young, make more than three out of 10 threes. Like make, he's starting like, to, yeah okay let's keep it up i still see 31 point whatever percent on there that's just like that's rough um yeah trade john collins let's end this i just don't know where he goes it's just like did you do you like the utah deal that was floated out let's say you don't have to give the jazz a pick because that was just like well what was that because all i remembered was that utah wanted a pick and i tuned out was it just malik beasley and jared vanderbilt wasn't that the framework of it i mean that's a lot of salary relief um Although you're going to have to pay Vanderbilt sooner than later, I think. I can't remember. He's a year left on his deal of $4 million, so you don't yeah. have to. I, I don't like his fit with Capella. I mean, Olenek might have been in there, too. It might have been Malik Beasley and Olenek who's expiring. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's just not enough. I I, 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 I don't know. I, I guess I may be the last guy out there that's just overvaluing Collins at this point, but that, that doesn't feel like enough to me. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Our next team that we will be moving on to here is my team. And it's the Orlando magic. Uh, they are, my questions for them is like, what will they do? Like, will they actually sell or could they buy for next season and beyond? And if they are going to go out there and try to get something, will they find shooting? Um, do they kind of strengthen their wing rotation just because like, we don't know what Jumo Kiki is. Um, you know, we don't really know what like Jonathan Isaac isn't even a wing and has barely been playing. Uh, for a while, Gary Harris, kind of an undersized wing, Terrence Ross coming off the books after this year. Are they going to reroute Mo Bamba or Gary Harris or Terrence Ross, for that matter, if they are sellers? So I have all sorts of, of questions for them. I do think they're in this unique situation where like, you could buy with an eye on the future or the next season. Maybe you take on some money because, yeah, you have cap space this summer. Maybe you want to make a run at Fred Van Vliet. But outside of Van Vliet, like, what's the free agent like you need to go after. So unless you think you have the inside track on him, do you really need to to think in those terms? And so could you, if it's, if you're getting money where it's no, you're not going to make the playoffs this season, but you're getting a shooter, just a caps lock shooter 
who's really going to open up things for your ball handlers and Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, Markel Fultz, uh, even Jalen Suggs. Uh, like, do you just go out and make that deal? Do you just sort of stand pat, like, because you want to keep Gary Harris in the next season? You could buy out Terrence Ross to do him a solid. Uh, I, I just like this team is they could do stuff. I just feel like they're going to be, you know, do they just move RJ Hampton because he's going to leave after this year? Um, it feels like that's the scale of a move that they'll make. Yeah, it's it's a situation where, I mean, a shooter would be great. I think that's probably the most realistic thing to go after. But it's the second it's the thing they need second most because they just need you know, a, sorry, like Mark, we, we, every time we talk about the magic, I harp on this like. Markel Fultz is fine, uh, but like you just need a you need a someone at the guard spot. You know the playmaking isn't even really that important be, relative to other teams because of Bancaro and because of Wagner. I think you could survive with your with your forwards and wings being your you know shot creators essentially. So it'd be nice if it were a point guard type that could be a secondary creator or tertiary, depending on how those two guys develop. He's got to be able to shoot. Uh, I like. But the next best thing, because those guys aren't out there, like Van Vliet is sort of like, and then who after that? Like, I just, I don't know who that other guy is. Like, it's not, you don't go after John Wall. You don't go after Mike Conley. Those are just like crazy, you know, trade targets that would not be helpful. So if you're going to go another direction, just go get a shooter. Then the problem is like, well, is there a better one out there than Gary Harris? You know, that is at the right cost. Like, Terrence Ross, I guess I'd be happy to move him. He just inexplicable. He's kind of like the, like John Collins wishes he'd been on the trade block as long as Terrence Ross, like that he's the goat of trade trade block guys that never get traded. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what they're going to do either. Um, other than probably look to move Mobamba just because he's totally superfluous now. Yeah. Who is, is he their most likely player to be traded? I mean, I would say Terrence Ross, but since he's clearly immovable, I think it probably is Bomba because he's got that he's got that partial guarantee uh, on next year's salary. He's only ten point three this year, so you know that he's a fraction of that for the balance of the year. He could get you someone at a similar number at another position that you could try to develop. I think, but like they just don't need another center. I, I don't think, especially with Isaac back. I just imagine you want him to play some center minutes if he stays healthy. Yeah, he's not even guaranteed anything next year, Mobamba. So, like, you could view him functionally as an expiring. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, although is this the is this the trade I proposed? I don't know if it was. Yes. So I have um, the Orlando Magic get Joe Harris. The Nets get Mobamba and Terrence Ross. If I'm the Nets, I am in love with the not having to pay either of those guys next year. Um, and I think probably. It sucks for Joe Harris that Terrence, Terrence Ross is a, is a downgrade for sure from Joe Harris, even if we've talked about before how Joe Harris isn't great anymore. But I guess that hinges on Bomba. Is Bomba a big value add for, for the Nets? They, they need a big. Um, he so can hit, think, he's going to hit more of his free throws than Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. Well, and we, we, we also have said that if you're going to get a backup big behind Claxton, he better be able to shoot. And that is the other thing Bomba can do. If he's going to play next to Ben Simmons, he's going to space the floor a little bit on offense. Like that's, that is a real, that's a real thing that the Nets should care about in this kind of trade. Harris is just so clearly the best player in that deal that it gives me some pause. It's the, it's the money for him where it's like, are the Nets going to keep Seth Curry? It's just like, I, for the Nets, I feel like he could be, superfluous and yeah. just like but he's still really good but he's also playing fewer minutes per game 
than Seth Curry at the moment. And so are you going to be more invested in keeping Seth Curry because maybe he's cheaper than 19 million a pop? Um, yeah. That's what makes this tough because in a vacuum, I don't know that the Nets should want to do this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like it, it does kind of even out the rotation a little bit, I guess. Like if you're getting Bamba, maybe you just want to get out of Joe Harris's money and you're viewing this as getting to expiring soon without having to give up any equity. Joe Harris's trade value is weird. There's a lot of teams that I would like to, that I think he would just be super useful for. The Magic would be one of them, by the way. I think he'd be a great fit in Orlando. Clearly. Yeah, I agree. Like we said, like if, if they can't get a, a, you know, a real bit, like I don't, Harris isn't someone I'd feel comfortable with like starting. Well, I guess he could start at the two. I guess he sort of has started at the two. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I want, I, I selfishly want a little more like playmaking there, but that's what a point guard's for. So, I mean, in theory, although the magic, you know, have struggled with that. All right. You're ready to hit Charlotte. This is a yes. weird team. Yeah. Um. So, I, I don't want to throw it to you immediately, but like, <laughs> am I wrong for thinking as like sad sack as the season has been for the Hornets that they actually kind of have some good options right now? Like they're not, it doesn't feel like they're in. I mean, I th- we probably called them one of the most hopeless franchises, but at least in the immediate, they have some stuff that they could get up to here and like throw Hayward out. I don't know what to do with Hayward. Uh, I, I don't think he's movable. Um, maybe next year when he's expiring, that's fine. But like, we can worry about where he should go after that, but then like go down the list, like PJ Washington, the restricted free agency, they're sellers. They should be selling. Obviously. Like, I don't feel like we need to say that, but PJ Washington should have like a significant amount of interest. Just the team that gets him would need to be sure that it was willing to pay what another team's offer sheet was. Like, I don't know what we're looking at for him. 20 million a year. doesn't seem like insane given the market, maybe more. I don't know. Um, so you have him available. Kelly Oubre and uh, Mason Plumley are both expiring. Twelve point six million for Oubre, nine point one for Plumley. Um, Book Knight could be somebody's second draft candidate if you wanted to just cut bait now. Cody Martin, we've talked about several times. You know, average of like seven and a half million over the next three years. Like that's all stuff that the, the Hornets could move. Could look to get back younger players. Could maybe get some picks, possibly depending on you know the Washington situation. Even even Terry Rozier like makes a lot. You know, it's 21, 23, 25, 27 million um, over the next <laughs> three. It's, it's a decent amount. Have you are you aware this is a tangent of like the weirdness of his of the partial guarantee in his last year of that deal? It's basically it's just like it's isn't it 25 of 27 million is guaranteed or something like just. Yeah. And he gets do you know what it will take to get that extra two million to get up to the it's fine. No. So he needs to play. 70 games in a season that Charlotte also sees the second round of the playoffs in at some point during the life of the contract before that year. Oh, so he just, he's written that off as a loss. Like, what? Right? What? <laughs> like, I want to, I wish I could have seen that negotiation where I was like, no, 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 65 games first round. Like, no, 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 no. 80 games. Gotta win. Gotta make it to game six of, of the conference. Like, like what a weird, I don't know. Maybe that's more common than, than it seems like, but. That's such a bizarre partial. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Charlotte the Charlotte Hornets are sellers. They're really bad. Uh, Lamelo Ball is just about the only piece I think that is you know I'd be saying hands off no matter what. Uh, and they got I mean we didn't even talk about Jalen McDaniels. Every time Jaden McDaniels comes up as like everybody wanted him last year and over the summer, Jalen is kind of right there as like the lesser option. So lots of pieces to move. I would be in the hunt for every pick. Every second draft guy I could get, you know, all, all that stuff. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I you you like painted it as rosier, I think, than I would have. I just are they going to have the guts to do it? Like we saw that they were reportedly want a first round pick for Mason Plumlee, and it's like, what are guys? What are we doing here? I know he's been playing better, but he's on an expiring contract, and he's Mason Plumlee. You're not getting a first round pick for him. But you the par like the the point there is like you don't actually need to do anything to continue sucking. Like you're still going to be right. right in the thick of the Wembenyama sweepstakes, and so. I don't like if you want to see if you can bring back Plumlee or Kelly Oubre Jr. Is it worth keeping them on your books? I, I don't know. I'd be a little bit worried about what PJ Washington could command. I think we saw that he turned down like a $53 million extension, whatever it was. Is he going to cost like, is he going to get 18 or 19 a year? Cause you risk losing him for nothing. That's the name that if I'm them, I'm focused on just because that's the highest stakes that I think they face leading into this offseason where it's all right. If you lose Jalen McDaniels, just kind of whatever his, his offense is just filled with misadventure too much of it for me. Uh, but I just like sort of wonder, like, is this a team? Like, what is the edict here? Is it okay? We're going to sell this season, but it's with the obligation to turn around and we have to try and win next season with our high draft pick in LaMelo. Uh, there's, I think the miles bridges, um, felony domestic violence, felony domestic violence charges, they factor into this in the sense of, are they going to bring him back next year? Like what, what happens with him and how does that impact their view of PJ Washington? I just can't get, this is another team. I don't have a great feel for. They're clearly sellers and they have players to sell. Um, but Kelly Ray jr's injury, I think that complicates things a little bit for them. Uh, and then do you want to move Terry Rozier? Like we sort of mentioned that where it's like, do you kind of need his shooting and, He's having a down year, but he's had a play to like his, his role has just been overstretched at points. They're just in a very bizarre situation and their clarity is going to come over the off season. I would think more so than it's going to come at the, the trade deadline. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Plumlee is probably the most likely guy to move because of that 9 million expiring. And we've covered several teams that need a backup center or want a backup center. I don't know if I agree that they need one, but like, Let's just say it doesn't get them under the tax by by like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just barely doesn't do it. I think. What, so, if I'm the if I'm the Hornets or if you're the Hornets, are you interested in Tywell and Corkmaz for Plumley? Like, is that? Like, I, I would think the Flyers have Tywell getting him into restricted free agency, seeing what you could do with an actual wing defender on your team. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, and I think if but the problem for the Sixers is then you got to do something else to just shave off a few hundred grand more and maybe you're giving up Springer somewhere else or something like that. But yeah, like, I, so Plumlee is the most likely guy to move, but it's like, it's not that easy. Like the number on his salary is like high enough to where it's not that easy to do it. You know, that you're, you're talking about- Would Denver take him into their traded player exception or that's not someone you're drumming your tax bill up for? Well, I mean, Denver is, yeah, I mean, that's always been an issue for them. Um, am I just going to pay a bunch of money for Plumlee? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a, when, when I phrase it that way, it's a tough sell. I'm not, I'm not sure I can get there. Uh, so He's going to play like five minutes a game in the playoffs too. So like, I don't know. So f for my Hornets trade idea, I wanted to frame it in, what if they kind of, didn't do anything to impede how much they suck this season, but they're taking a higher end swing for the seasons to come. Now this trade was talked about on no dunks Inc podcast. They gave it an F they were, they were basically disgusted by it, but I had, so the Hornets received Ben Simmons, 
and uh, Joe Harris, and the Nets receive Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, and Gordon Hayward. This is a this is no worse than a D minus. F is really harsh. I don't know how they. Uh, that's a tough. So wait, I think. First of all, I'm a little surprised at myself that I kind of perked up and got excited when you said Ben Simmons, even though he's such a terrible contract. But for Charlotte, it's like, fuck it, who cares? Like, why not just take take this, so, take a shot? I the thing I actually was like, is this too bad for the Nets? Well, because... that's the thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if like who. So wait, it's oh, Hayward it was, sorry, Mills. it was Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, and Mason Plumley for Ben Simmons. Was this was the trade? I don't think the Nets are doing that, even if it's really tempting to get off of Simmons' contract, just because like Hayward. <sighs> it was Ben Simmons and Joe Harris, by the way. So it was I know, I know. Uh, Harris, I hadn't even gotten to yet. <laughs> I think that makes the Nets worse. Uh, although, does it in the playoffs? Probably. I just think Simmons is maybe not be of any use whatsoever, you know, in the second by the second round of the playoffs. And maybe Hayward is because if Hayward's healthy the Nets are better, but that is just like a big, big, the, big, big, the big, biggest if of all time. Yeah. That's not an F trade. I, 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 I can't give like, that's not a failure. You're not a failure, Dan. It would be, that. would the Hornets be a team that you could see like, you know what? Let's roll the dice on Ben Simmons right now. Because what are the teams that would trade for Ben Simmons right now? I would put the Hornets on the list. We, oh yeah. How long is that <laughs> list? It ain't long. Like, you know, they can be at the top if they want. I think, I think that's not, that's, that's realistic. Uh, are we ready to move on to the Washington Wizards? Let's do it. Uh, so the Wizards are should be sellers who probably fancy themselves as buyers. Is how I classified them. Yeah. Um, they have a notable traded player exception, six point three million. It expires next January. It was just created in the Rui Hachimura trade, so they probably won't use it. Uh, I have their most likely player to be traded is Will Barton. He's not really playing, and he's expiring. They are three point two million dollars below the luxury tax, so that has to be factored into any trade they make. What to watch for? I feel like there's a bunch. Is do they shop soon to be free agent Kyle Kuzma? What about soon to be free agent Christoph Porzingis? Both those guys have a player option. If they're not going to be sellers, what is their ceiling as midseason buyers? Because you've already traded Rui Hachimura and you got second round picks for him, and you owe your first round pick to New York. It's protected in 2023 for the lottery, top 12 in 2024, top 10 in 2025, top eight in 2026. And so you theoretically, yes, you can trade a first allowable draft pick, but you can't technically guarantee a first round pick until 2028. So that would take you out of, it would seem, a lot of rosy discussions unless Team X believes, hey, they'll make the playoffs in 2024. So we're going to get 26 and 28 picks or whatever it is. So I just, we know what the Wizards should do and they're not going to do it. But like what so then like do you just stand pat now? Because I think a lot of people point out like, well, maybe they'll still shop Kyle Kuzma. Historically, when they've not shopped these free agents, like let's use Davis Bertans. Remember that year where they everyone thought they'd get two first round picks for him, mm-hmm. but they decided decided to keep him. It seemed like they had good intel that they were gonna be able to re-sign him. And so it doesn't seem like if they're keeping Kyle Kuzma and you're moving Rui, it kind of points to it was never an either or position like proposition. Kuzma's so much better than him, but it sort of shows that you are planning to pay Kyle Kuzma, maybe Christos Porzingis as well. Like, what are, what are you doing at the deadline? And then what is your, if this is your core, what's your biggest need? I have it as just sort of a, 
a, a point guard who doesn't necessarily need to be the best playmaker in the world, but it, he needs to be the perfect complement to Bradley Beal, who I would argue that we haven't really seen that point guard yet. Between John Wall and Russell Westbrook and now Monte Morris, like there hasn't been that perfect fit in the backcourt with Beal. Yeah, I so the Wizards are going to do what they've been doing for a long time, which is just recommitting to a core that just isn't good enough. Cause I, 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 I think they just fully intend to keep Kuzma. He'll opt out and then they'll, you know, they'll sign him to a new deal. I mean, I don't think that's out of the question for Porzingis either. If he opts out, I think he, I think he might, I think he, uh, he's probably going to opt out. Like if he, unless he's unhealthy to finish the season, it's just, yeah. I don't know. He's not going to get 30 million a year, but he'll get more than 30 million over the longer term. Oh, I for think. sure. I mean, he might just get, you know, four for 80 or something. Oh, I think he could do better. I mean, he might oh, get wow. three, three for, you know, three for 80 or three for the three for nine. Like, I, th- I mean, cause he's due to make 36 next year. So like, but it's crazy that that's even a, there was a while there where it was like, that guy is going to just take every guaranteed dollar you can get and not risk anything. But so, but then there's, there's your team basically. Cause if you're going to, if you got Beal on the books for 40, almost 47 next year and Porzingis will be in the 20 to 30 range and Kuzma is going to be probably into the 20 to 30 range too. Like you're set. Um, it's almost like it's too far gone. It, it, there's not, so it almost doesn't matter what they do. If I'm them, I got to move Barton. I just don't think he has, like, if you could get seconds for Barton, I think that's probably about it. I don't think you can. Nothing. He's a nothing. You think I like you're taking, maybe if you take back a cut, like if you're taking back Evan Fournier for a little bit, like (laughs) it's so bleak. Uh, Yeah. I, I agree. The point guard is a need and that Morris is like, Morris was with the nuggets. Like, Oh man, what a luxury as a backup one, you know? Um, and as a starter, he's just not quite, he's just not that guy. Like he's, he'll be in the league for a long time. You know, he's already been in the league a decent, he's 27. Um, but he's not a starter there. The problem is like, they just don't have what it would take unless you're going to trade Kuzma or Danny Avdia, or I don't know that's really about it. Uh, Corey Kispert, only three and a half million, unless you're going to move those guys, for what Van Vliet? Like that's you know we can get to trades in a minute, but like I don't spoilers. I don't who you're going for to to get to hit that point guard need? Well, you said that they were locked into their core, and I beg to differ because I came up with a trade that would lock <laughs> them into a different core. So the Wizards would receive Fred Van Vliet and Juan Hernan Gomez. The Raptors would get Will Barton, Daniel Gafford, Monte Morris a 2025 first round pick. So first allowable pending the obligation to New York, that would be top seven protected. And then a second first round pick in 2027, it'd have to convey two years after the first one, that would be top 10 protection through 2029. So basically let's just say that the wizards would make the playoffs in 2024. That would be the, that's the, I think that's the estimation you're making in this trade. It would be Mm -hmm. Will Barton, Daniel Gafford, Monte Morris, a 2026 first round pick and a 2028 first round pick for Fred Van Vliet and Juan Hernan Gomez. So you're basically locking, cause you're going to have to pay Van Vliet. You're going to have to. And Kristaps and Kuzma. Right. So you're saying Van Vliet, Beal, Porzingis and Kuzma. Are and top that's like, that's not nothing. It's I don't hate it. Um, but the problem is like the injury concerns with Porzingis and Beal and really Van Vliet are substantial. And now you're just like, we just don't have picks anymore, basically. So like if we do suck, there's no outs. But 
you're already so far down the road. Like if you're the wizards, you're like, you might as well. So you have talked me into locking in another core just because Van Fleet is an upgrade over what they have. Like, you know, it, that that's just better. And you're a pot committed as it is. You might as well just go all the way and see if you can win a playoff series maybe. And, and everybody leaves you alone for a while. Yeah. That's, I don't know how I feel about that core, but the four player, the five player core of Avdia KP, Fred Van Vliet, Bradley Beal, and Kyle Kuzma is like, it is intriguing. I don't really know what it is, (laughs) but it's like, you have a lot of like defensive strengths in there between Van Vliet, what Kuzma's become, Porzingis, and even Avdia. Like, that's a hell of a five-man unit. Yeah. I mean, you don't have much behind them. You would need like, like Corey Kispert's been fine. You You got to right? right? Yeah. Um, Maybe Johnny Davis will turn into something still. Probably not. I don't hate it. There's a way you can see your way. The problem is what we're talking about is like, well, it's, I could see my way to a team that I like their top seven guys. Uh, and they're like a six or seven seed in the East, maybe like, and then they have no picks forever. That's, so that's tough. Which side do you think is more likely to say no to that though? Cause that's a lot to give up for Van Vliet, but you can't sign him in free agency. I think the Raptors are more likely to, to say yes, just because they might, they, I mean, they're probably looking at him as, well, we can do this and get a bunch of picks that might be pretty darn good, um, or at least one. Uh, and we don't know if we're going to keep Van Fleet at all. So, like, well, I mean, <laughs> I think Toronto would be okay. Don't you? Like, I, if I'm, I guess unless you're, unless you're sure Van Fleet is going to be worth close to thirty million a year for at least three more years, then I'm, I'm looking to move him for something like this. Yeah, I, I just this is the type of move I could see Washington making because like you're you're pot committed. Like, what is the yeah. the path with just this core? Is how do you improve upon it? It would be making a move like this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you sometimes the only way up is down. They just got like they just got to dig deeper into this plan. Um, What's more likely? They make a trade like this, or they trade Kyle Kuzma at the deadline. Something like this, just based yeah, on their track record. I, they, I just, they don't operate that way. They, they, they're trying to get better. And I think you would say that this trade makes them better. I mean, in the, in the immediate, right? Like they're, they're told based on what they've paid guys and how, when they've paid guys, um, this is just what they do. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to imagine the alternative, right? Do you, are you ready to take us out here? Yeah. So uh, once again, and as always, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, Make sure you're following us on our socials. We're at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram, where we have a robust 200 plus person following. Get at us. Um, Join our Discord. Uh, You can get involved in the mailbags and everything else fun we do there. It's great discussions, a lot of like real serious, you know, but also fun basketball people that really care about this stuff. Um, so it's a great place to be and check us out on our live streams. We're going to be doing on the BR app uh, next week. That's the seventh and the ninth. I forget the times. Uh, we'll make just like, I think it's two Eastern, Eastern, Eastern time on the seventh, 5 PM Eastern time on the ninth. Yeah, there it is. Check, uh, check us out on there. Um, and yeah, thank you again. And as always, we apologize to Jared Allen and shout out the one and only Frank Nilakina, neither of whom were mentioned, but they're always in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs>